Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome back to hour number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Thursday, September the 16th. It is 8.02 right here, and whether you're uh, listening on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're choosing to tune in via the live stream, you can find on ESPNTucson.com. We do appreciate you tuning in here every single morning from 7 to 9. I know that you've got a, a choice of where you lend your ears to gather your sports information, news, and entertainment, and we do appreciate you choosing Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, the Jeff Dean Show, here every weekday from 7 to 9. And I look forward to uh, seeing you guys tomorrow at Bear Down Friday. If you're going to be down there at Main Gate Square getting ready to uh, cheer on the team, we'd love to see you. I'll be at the ESPN Tucson uh, booth. I'll be kind of bopping around a little bit there. Uh, just, uh, you know, run me down. Big bald guy with a red beard. Can't miss me. And uh, check it out and, and uh, have some fun down there. Have some drinks and uh, get ready to cheer on your Wildcats. Again, I'll be having one more opportunity to win my tickets because today's Thursday. We have one chance left to register to win my tickets by the text to win contest that's coming up at any point in time within the next 56 minutes of today's show. So be ready for that. Be ready for your keyword and your text number to, uh, to text in with and give yourself that opportunity to win my tickets to Saturday night's game against NAU. We'll announce our two winners tomorrow morning, and uh, we'll have that, again, could be coming up at any point in time. Some NFL news, bad news for the Dallas Cowboys. Things just continue to get bad in Dallas as defensive end Demarcus Lawrence will miss six to eight weeks after suffering a broken foot that he it occurred at practice yesterday for the Dallas Cowboys. He broke the fifth metatarsal in his foot and will require surgery. He uh, announced on his social media page that he'll be back and ready for war, but that's six to eight weeks from now. And who knows uh, how, you know, how bad the spiral will become for the Dallas Cowboys, who are already starting the season 0-1 after losing to the Bucks on the Thursday night in the opener. Now, they're trying to get ready for their game against the Chargers. It's uh, you know not going to be an easy an easy win for them. Chargers are, are showing that, that they're a very good team. Obviously, the defense is good. They've got one of the best defensive players in the entire league, and Derwin James back there at safety. Speaking of safety, uh, health, if that guy can stay healthy, he is one of the five best players on the defensive side of the ball in the entire NFL. Now, other bad news for Dallas that occurred that they got uh, recently was that Randy Gregory, one of their other defensive ends, has been placed on the COVID-19 reserve after he tested positive. So that means that he is likely to be out for the game against the Chargers as well. And in other news, in, in Dallas yesterday, defensive linemen just dropping like flies. This one, a former defensive lineman, their defensive line coach, Leon Lett, early in practice yesterday, um, somehow tore up his knee, and he has to have surgery. So Leon Lett, the defensive line coach for the Dallas Cowboys, off to surgery as well, tearing his knee. So uh, I don't know what they're putting in the water in uh, in Dallas, but their defensive linemen are drinking it, and they're getting hurt or going to COVID protocols. So, look, things you know, going south right now for the Dallas Cowboys, and look, for a lot of teams, the NFL – it, look, it's been this way for quite some time, and it's unfortunate. It really is because I, I hate to have the situation where 
injuries become the story as opposed to the things that happen between the lines and great plays and great players and things like that. But injuries are, are a part of it. And often the healthiest team at the end of the season is the team that's going to end up winning the Super Bowl or, you know, teams that are, that are the healthiest at the time end up winning. It's the entire reason that I picked Tampa Bay to win the Super Bowl when they got the matchup against Kansas City. Kansas City, in my opinion, was the better football team going into that game. Then they lose both offensive tackles going into that going into that game, and I'm like, there's no chance. They have no chance in hell. There's not a, not a chance I would ever bet Kansas City in that game, knowing that both tackles are out. And it showed. They didn't score an offensive touchdown in the game. They didn't score a touchdown, period. Couldn't stop Tampa Bay's defense, and Patrick Mahomes was running for his life, couldn't generate any kind of offense, any semblance of offense other than a couple of big plays. And we all know what happened after that. Tampa Bay dominated Tom Brady, Gronk, doing their thing. So I, I hate to make it about injuries, but it really is. I mean, which team is the healthiest going into week by week is going to tell you a lot of whether they're going to win that game or not. Now, one thing that I will want to address here. And I, I saw it on Twitter yesterday, and you see it every year, and I feel like it's ridiculous that I have to continue to say these types of things to people and the sporting public out there, the fans. But, damn it, people, the, the last thing, the last, and I do mean the absolute bottom of the list, last thing that an NFL player cares about is your stupid fantasy football team. That is the absolute last thing that they care about. Please, please stop tweeting at NFL players when they get injured about your stupid fantasy football team. It's a bad look. Nobody cares. And you look like a complete idiot when you do it. Yesterday, I was watching Raheem Mostert's Twitter blow up because – there were people sending death threats to him on Twitter, basically saying, like, not death threats, but, like, I hope you, you know, I, I hope you never come back from this injury. I've spent enough draft picks on you, and now you've ruined my fantasy league. Dude, get an absolute grip on, on reality, on life. Are you kidding me? I mean, I was going through, I was going through Raheem Mostert's uh, Twitter account yesterday, going through his his thread and when you know it posted on there that that he you know he was going to fight back he's going to be out for the year and there were a lot of fans that were offering support but the 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 twitter comments the feed was full of people like thanks a lot man i had you on my fantasy team now i don't know what to do i want to strangle people i really do like this is like this is why i stay away from people sometimes because the potential to meet someone like that is out there <laughs> because I don't know what would happen in public if someone walked up to me and I was talking to somebody and they're like, and I was like, yeah, man, it was really bad that Raheem Moster got injured. I was really looking forward to him, you know, playing for the 49ers. He's obviously, he's electric. He's got that, you know, that great open field speed. Stuff so like, yeah, it really sucks, man. He ruined my fantasy football team. I would punch that person dead in the face. Don't be that person. I have to say this every stinking year. I can't believe I, I continue to say this. And it gets worse every year. Because there's more money, there's more money in in fantasy football now than there ever was, and now that it's legal to do it online and, and things like that in you know like in Arizona, like with FanDuel and stuff like that, there's plenty of outlets on there as well. 
which is why I like playing the weekly ones. Like the weekly ones are better to me because then I don't have to – I can just pick players that don't play against the 49ers and I can try to pick from the best of the best outside of that. And I don't have to have a, an injured player on my roster or have wasted a draft pick on a player who got injured. Get a grip, people. God, I, I hate it. I hate it so much. I was I was so angry. I, I, yesterday was one of those days I almost quit Twitter again, period, for like for, forever. It was one of those days. Like, there's so many of these people out there. It's disheartening. Like, I have to share the human race with these people. Like, I, I have to, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm one of you. And you make us look, all look stupid. Ah, it, it, it drives me absolutely nuts. Don't be that person. <laughs> okay? First of all, no one cares about your stupid fantasy team but you. If you, pub, if you privately want to be like, damn it, I, you know, I should have known better. That guy's always hurt, you know. Uh, I should have I known better than to draft him. That's my own fault. That's, that's your own private thoughts. That's fine. Keep your private thoughts private. Do not go on the man's Twitter page and say things like, I hope you never come back from this injury. You've ruined my fantasy football season. Shut up. <laughs> I, I'm seriously. Like this is, uh, just, it was just another reason why I got out of, out of playing fantasy. Because the guys in my league would be like, <laughs> same crap. Shut up. Guys, guys are getting injured. They're like, oh, they make $100 million. Who cares? Yeah, you, know what the, you have any idea what the guaranteed contracts in the NFL are like? There aren't any. Okay? So stop. We got a lot of big weekend stuff in college football to talk about. My religion, college football. I do love it. I, I, I mean, it's, it, it's a big week. The Big Ten, like games in the Big Ten this week, just in the Big Ten alone, ridiculous. You heard that? The, 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 the statistic that I threw out there yesterday, right, with Auburn, because Auburn's going to be going up to, uh, to Penn State, okay? It's only the second time since 1965 that an SEC, a ranked SEC team has gone on the road to play a ranked Big Ten teams. And this is not like going from coast to coast. This is not, this is not a Pac-12 team playing an ACC or a Big East team or something like that. These are, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot of distance between some of these teams, you know, like like Tennessee and Michigan are really not that far apart. There's no reason why those two teams haven't played each other. They've been ranked in the top 25 for dozens and dozens of years over the last 80 years. Why haven't they played each other? Maybe they have. Maybe Michigan went to Tennessee in like 1974 or something like that. But look, this is this is what this is what the SEC does. What did I see? Oh man, I saw something. Uh, what was it? There was some kind of some one of the writers at the athletic brilliant writers at the athletic they they do such a, a phenomenal job i was i was pouring through a bunch of articles over the last day or two and there was one about scheduling with the sec gosh darn it i wish i would have i wish i would have saved it i thought i was going to be able to remember it and now i'm like no i don't remember it it was something about how far the average sec team has traveled for their road games as opposed to every other conference it's it's something ridiculous, like they're further out of conference games. It's some really absurd number. Like I remember, it was a couple of years ago when they were talking about Alabama's road schedule over like a, like a span of like a four year window kind of thing, and how they only traveled for non con games. They left the state of Alabama twice, and when they did, they only traveled like a hundred miles across the border to play the road game. It, it was something like average miles. 
traveled for an SEC non-con game is like 106 miles, and for the next the next lowest conference, which was the Big 12, was like 404 miles or something like that. Like it, it was it was some insane number. It's just another way that the SEC continues to pack their schedule the way that they want to. They play the eight-game schedule in a 14-team league. You don't play a whole bunch of other teams. Did you know? Check this out. Here's here. This one. This is a great one. This is this t- tells you everything. A lot of what you need to know about SEC scheduling. Okay, Alabama. Nick Saban going to be playing Florida this weekend, right? Big matchup. Alabama, Florida, two powerhouses in the SEC. Big time matchup. This is only the second time that Nick Saban has played. Okay, so here let me let me play this out. This will be the ninth time that Alabama has played Florida while Nick Saban has been the head coach at Alabama, okay? They've played nine times. Nick Saban has played against Florida with his little crimson A on nine times. This is the second time they've played in the swamp. Yeah, you heard that correctly. So previously, they had played eight games against Florida. Seven of them were in Tuscaloosa. Seven of the eight We're in Tuscaloosa. Tell me, tell me the SEC does not cater to their top programs and trying to do everything they can in their possible power to get those teams into playoffs. They absolutely stack the deck against the rest of the country. They absolutely do. There are are situations where, like, Arizona hasn't played, uh, you know, at Oregon State. They've only played at Oregon State uh, you know, twice in the last 11 years, something like that. But then they've only played Oregon State five times in that, you know, in that span of time or whatever because they've been off years. And but those, those are very typical. But for Nick Saban to have played Florida eight times and seven of those times were played in Tuscaloosa, what is the reasoning behind this? How is that possible? <laughs> Seriously. It's, this is the second time they're playing in Gainesville. Tell me they don't stack the deck. Tell me that they don't they don't work the odds to their to their favor. They think nobody notices this stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And now Auburn's going to be going up to Penn State. Okay, both teams ranked. This is the second time since 1965. Third time, sorry, third time since 1965 that a ranked SEC team goes on the road to play a ranked Big Ten school. Auburn is visiting a Big Ten team for the first time since 1931 when they went to Penn State. These teams just sit in their little hovels. They sit in their holes, and they wait for for other teams to come play them. Come play us at home. Come play us at home. We know that home field advantage is the ultimate advantage in college football. Has been for a long, long time. Home field advantage tips the scales in college football almost as much as it does in college basketball. Only college basketball is greater uh, home field advantage, home court advantage, whatever have you, in all of sports. The only one that's higher. SEC just sits there in their little, their little cave waiting for someone to come p- play them, or they'll just pay someone to come play them. They do that twice a year too. Name another conference that allows their teams to schedule two pay-to-win games. I'll wait. <laughs> It's 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 asinine. Like it, it's frustrating. It really is. 
it's frustrating because I have to hear from constituents and from colleagues and things like that and guys that I know across the country, and they're like, oh, how's out there in, in Pac-12? You enjoying that, that you know, run-of-the-mill uh, football, watching a bunch of, you know, soft players. go. It, look, look <laughs> I got news for you. Just because they're not winning championships, look at the numbers going to the NFL. Look at the numbers. Yes, the SEC has dominated the NFL draft. Pac-12 right there, second and third almost every single year. The NFL likes what they see from, from, from Pac-12 players. Talent evaluators like what they see from Pac-12 players. You know who doesn't like what they see from Pac-12 players? The committee. The college football playoff committee. You know why? Because Pac-12, the best teams go 9-3 and three or 8-4 and four every year because they actually schedule teams. They actually go on the road. They actually leave their own confines to go play a football game. They don't schedule two pay-to-win games against Cupcake Tech and Meatloaf A&M. I'm so tired of it, man. They're, the SEC bias is real because they made it that way. They created it. Props to them. They were able to figure this thing out. Like, how can we work this thing in our favor? How can we make it so undeniably tilted in our favor that we can that, you know, that we, we can create this bias and create the greatness that it is the SEC? Well, we're going to do all these things. We're not going to leave our conference for the next 50 years. We're not going to leave our own backyard for the next you know 50 years. We're going to allow our teams to schedule two pay-to-win games a year and still be eligible somehow for bowl games. That's what they do. It's how they play football in the SEC. And granted, they have built an empire down there. It's NFL light in the SEC. Well, for several teams. Then you got, you know, the Vandys, the Missouris, and Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas put a put a whipping on Texas. You, I still can't figure that one out. Cannot figure that one out at all. Oh, oh I didn't do it. Hang on. They got Steve Sarkeesian as their head coach. Okay, now I figured it out. Got it. Got that one. Figured that one out. Get your phones out, folks. And if you're driving, have someone next to you get your phone out. Or wait till you get to your destination because the window's open long enough for you to be able to text this. Because you're going to want to text the word halftime to 68683 for your chance to win a pair of my tickets to go see Saturday's game against NAU. The Wildcats taking on the Lumberjacks at Arizona Stadium. Kickoff is at 7 p.m., and your chance to win my personal tickets to the game is right now. Text the word HALFTIME to 68683 for your chance to win. Message and data rates may apply, and we'll announce our winners tomorrow. This is your last chance to win. Your last chance to enter is right now. you got a small window to get those texts in. You know, 10, 15 minutes, I think, is all we get. And then it's closed. So, Text halftime to 68683. Do it safely. Don't be texting and driving. Okay? Nobody getting any accidents. Mary's got enough work to do updating the, the traffics uh, without you guys texting and driving and running into people. Okay, So be safe out there. There's time to pull over. There's time to get to your destination. And then text when you get there. Halftime, 68683. That's the number. Good luck, and we'll announce our winners tomorrow. You're listening to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. So we got a few midweek games for the uh, for the NCAA starting tonight. Ohio travels to Lafayette, Louisiana to take on Ula Law. Ula Law, a 19 and a half point favorite in that game. That kickoff is at 5 p.m. and then tomorrow. And I don't like Friday games because. 
they take away from the Friday night lights. It, the Friday nights are for high school. Um, I, I don't like college games being scheduled on Friday nights, especially not uh, uh, conference games. And we have one. So we have UCF versus Louisville. Uh, the Golden Knights traveling down to uh, to Louisville, Kentucky, to take on the Cardinal. And, and look, it's, Louisville's not any good this year. They're going to continue to get beat. UCF is a seven-point favorite on the road. Then we have a conference game, although it's a pillow fight. Maryland versus Illinois, a couple of uh, Big Ten uh, not-so-good teams in the Big Ten. Maryland a seven-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Illinois, even though Illinois won that opener against uh, Nebraska in thrilling fashion. We have a pillow fight on Friday night. That game is at 6 o'clock. And then, of course, Saturday, a full, full slate of action. A lot of action going on. I'll have some of these games in my Friday Five but just some of the, the ranked games that are going to be ones to watch, essentially, Virginia Tech, Virginia. Virginia Tech's good team. They're traveling to uh, to Morgantown to take on uh, the Mountaineers. Virginia Tech uh, is a three-point dog in that game as a ranked road dog. So that's an interesting one to look at. I think a sneaky good game might be the Michigan State-Miami game. I know that it's Michigan State is not a sexy, uh, you know, sexy product right now coming out of the Big Ten. Miami's only favored by six points in that game. Vegas knows something we don't. I think Michigan State might keep that game close. Cincinnati, Indiana. Look, Mike Penix Jr., the quarterback in Indiana, has had a really, really rough start to the season. First off, he went up against Iowa. Apparently, Iowa is going to be an absolutely dominant team this year. They have absolutely smothered both teams that they played this season, one of them, a really, really good Iowa State team in Ames, Iowa, to continue their Cyhawk uh, trophy dominance. Iowa's playing really good football. I mean, they're playing as well as anybody right now. Um, Mike Penix Jr. coming back from the injury last year, of course, in his great season for for Indiana, uh, coming back from that injury, has is taking a little time to reacclimate himself, and now they have a really tough test against Luke Fickle in Cincinnati as the Bearcats come to town. Bear, uh, Cincinnati, a four-point favorite. That's an early kickoff. That's a 9 a.m. kick uh, for that particular game. But I think I think that's an interesting one to, to watch um, because Mike Penix has he has that explosive ability. I, I talk about dynamic quarterbacks. Mike Penix is dynamic. He is a guy that not only can, can run the football well, and although the injury has slowed him down a little bit, He's got a tremendous arm, and he really loves to throw the deep ball. And some interesting things could happen in that game. But I think it's going to be a little bit more of a lower-scoring game, uh, but still one definitely to watch. Another game to watch, a sneaky good game because of a quarterback that is playing at a very high level right now is Purdue-Notre Dame. And Will Plummer's older brother, Jack Plummer, the quarterback at Purdue, has been having a tremendous season so far, I think. Pro Football Focus has him as the number four rated quarterback in the country right now. He has been having a, a tremendous year. Notre Dame is is having some issues right now at quarterback. Brian Kelly is doing his usual quarterback shuffle, start a guy, he plays well, then he has one bad quarter and he gets benched for a you know for another player. Now that freshman is going to be coming in, and the Notre Dame fans are split down the middle between Jack Cohn. And, uh, and the freshman, the, their, their highly touted freshman that is going to be playing, it's going to be interesting to see kind of what happens in that Purdue-Notre Dame game. I love the way Jack Miller throws the football, and he has one of the best receivers in the entire country 
uh, playing for him, David Bell. If you don't know his name, you'll know it soon because they're playing Notre Dame this weekend. It's going to get a lot of coverage. But uh, David Bell, the uh, the Boilermaker receiver, is spectacular. I mean, he, I mean, he really, really is. He's he's going to be – he might be a first-round draft pick by the time this season is over. He's absolutely fantastic. And there's going to be a great matchup in that game. If you're going to watch the Notre Dame-Purdue game, and I know that it doesn't sound like a whole lot of sexiness going on there, Notre Dame-Purdue, I think it's going to be a really good game. It's going to be a really enjoyable game, especially because of the matchup. So you get Jack Plummer throwing the, you know, throwing the bombs there to David Bell. But David Bell's got to go up against one of the, one of the best corners in the entire country. Or he, he, he plays kind of safety corner, kind of a hybrid uh, there for, uh, for Brian Kelly. But Kyle Hamilton, a fantastic player on the defensive side of the ball, for the Irish, he's going to be playing on Sundays as well. He's spectacular, so uh, that's going to be a fun matchup to watch there in that game. If you're looking for individual matchups of future NFL players, Purdue Notre Dame is going to be a good choice for you. That game kicks off at 11 o'clock, I believe. That's going to be on NBC. I don't think they're going to put it on that stupid uh, Peacock network. Yes, it's going to be on NBC. So that's good. You can go out and get an antenna and put it on your TV if you need to, and tune it into NBC, and you can watch it there. So. I think that's a that's a sneaky good game as well, um, and we'll have some of these on my Friday five, uh, you know, games that I pick, and then of course the late games, Arizona State taking on BYU, number nineteen versus number number twenty three. That game is in Provo. The Sun Devils coming off as a three and a half point favorite. Just wait for my pick. I think I, I think you'll be interested to hear what I have to say about that particular one, and then a game that could be a little bit dicey for the Pac twelve, UCLA. Uh, obviously gaining a lot of accolades, have been playing extremely well, had the great win against LSU, and we'll see what the end of the year looks like for that. I don't know if LSU is going to have a great year this year. They may be a seven-win team this year. So at the end of the season, that LSU win may not look so great on UCLA's resume. But nonetheless, at the time right now, very good win for the Bruins. They're hosting Fresno State. Fresno State can light up the scoreboard a little bit. Um, They have experience at quarterback. Could be an interesting matchup for the Bruins if they're looking ahead to their first week Pac-12 matchup, which is coming up next week. So something to look forward to there. And, of course, plenty of things going on in the world of football. And I'll have a, a breakdown of it all for you tomorrow on my Friday 5 as we do Football Friday tomorrow. Dwayne Spears and Ali for Monday Night Football as they broadcast their show live from Famous Sam's at River in La Choya. It's a clean and friendly atmosphere. It's great for family and friends to hang out with. they got a happy hour from 2 to 6, 42 television, over 20 beers on tap. Uh, and from Mondays, uh, from 3 to 6, that's where Spears and Ali are going to be broadcasting live, counting down to Monday Night Football. Monday Night Football kicks off at about 5.30. So you'll be able to, uh, you know, you'll be able to enjoy the Spears and Ali show and then watch some Monday Night Football. And look, it's, it's a big game this week, so be sure that you go down there to the famous Sam's River in La Choya. Support your boys, Spears and Ali, and then uh, watch some football with your boys or with your family or whomever. More of the Jeff Dean Show next on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, I got my 8 o'clock anti-SEC rant out, so I'm feeling better now. You just have to indulge me. Uh, okay, just recently announced the Winter Classic for the NHL coming up this uh, this season's Winter Classic. Always a, a fun event. I love the, the Winter Classic ever since it debuted in uh, in 2008. 
and they're bringing back one of the teams from that debut game. The Buffalo Sabres are going to be playing in this year's uh, Winter Classic, the uh, the Heritage oh, I'll call it the, sorry the Heritage Classic is what it's called now. They changed the name. Um, it's going to be March 13th. They're going to be taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs in that game. So it's Sabres and Leafs in that uh, in that matchup, and they're going to be playing at Tim Hortons Field, which is home of the Canadian Football League Hamilton Tiger Cats. Now that game's going to be taking place on March 13th. So it got me thinking. You know, we live here in Arizona, and so we don't have a real, like a real scope of what weather is like across you know the country. It's like March. That sounds like it's going to be really hot. So I had to go to, like you know, Hamilton Chamber of Commerce or whatever, find out what their average temperatures are in uh, in March. So in March, temperatures there range from about 23 to about 40 degrees. So. Uh, all is going to be good. It's going to be plenty cold enough to play some play some hockey out there at Tim Horton Field, where they uh, where they play some some Canadian football and a big old field. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that. So the Heritage Classic going to be March 13th. Leafs and Sabers. Sabers making their is that their fourth appearance now? Maybe their third. I don't know. They've been in a couple. They were in the first one in 2008. I know that great game. Sidney Crosby. They're playing the playing Pittsburgh. Snow piled up all over the ground, and that was just awesome. And uh, I have loved the the Winter Classic, the Heritage Classic, ever since. It's always a, a must-see TV for me. So when you look at the NFL this uh, this upcoming weekend, okay, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting games. Obviously, there's games that are going on that are going to be division games. There's games featuring undefeated teams. Teams are one zero, uh, and there's plenty of matchups of teams that are zero and one. How teams end up that second week is often a huge indicator of what their season is going to look like. There have been plenty of situations where a team has gone 0-2 and then just kind of gone in the tank, even though they were a team that was potentially a favorite to make it deep into the playoffs or even to the Super Bowl. And there have been other times where surprise teams have started their season 2-0 and and won the division and gotten into a deep run in the in the playoffs. Now, there are a couple teams that are in danger, teams that have lofty goals this season. That, I mean, all the teams have lofty goals. But, I mean, as far as, like, teams that have been picked to win their division, go to the Super Bowl, have MVPs, all that kind of stuff. Teams that are, that are in danger right now of falling into that 0-2, uh, 0-2 situation, right off the top of the list is the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo is playing a – they're going to be playing a division game against Miami. Miami opens up against two division teams. I hate that. I've always disliked that. I don't think that you should have to open up against division foes, but the NFL didn't do them any favors. They're like, you guys better be ready because you got uh, New England and Buffalo in back-to-back weeks to start your season. So the Miami Dolphins are going to be taking on the Bills. Bills who lost and lost ugly to Pittsburgh over the weekend. Josh Allen played maybe the worst game since his rookie season that I've seen him play. Nobody could put a hat or a finger or wave, uh, you know, uh, any type of resistance in the in the face of T.J. Watt, he was all over the damn place. Minka Fitzpatrick has turned out to be a phenomenal player for Pittsburgh in that defense. They've been able to move him around and put him in a lot of different positions to make plays. And now the Bills have to go down to Miami and take on the Dolphins, who are riding a wave of confidence after finally beating the New England Patriots in New England. They have a 1-0 lead in the division, and more specifically, a 1-0 lead over two of the teams that they were supposed to be looking up at for the entirety of this season. And now they have an opportunity to go to 2-0 and 
have a, a, essentially another big early fight knockdown against one of the better teams from their division. Buffalo is in danger. You know, Buffalo, has they need to get their stuff together, whatever it takes. I don't know ex- exactly how it all came about. They couldn't protect Josh Allen in that game, couldn't run the football. Josh Allen was wildly ineffective. He was, he was inconsistent with his throws. He didn't have great accuracy in the game. The receivers weren't getting open. There was a couple of drops in the game. Stephon Diggs looked like he was maybe a little kind of, I don't know, disconnected or uninterested or something. I don't know. He didn't look like himself. Uh, and – Look, they're going to be they're going to be taking a very hungry Miami Dolphins team, who has belief now that they can win that division. I mean, they they're in a really good position right now. They're in a position of power, and the Bills are coming into their building to see what you know what they can do. Um, I, I think that's an interesting game to watch because the Bills start zero and two, things get considerably more difficult for them, especially if the Dolphins are two and zero. Another team. And, and I, don't, I don't think they're going to lose this football game, but they have just enough attitude on that team, and I think you know just enough me type guys on the football on, on, on their roster to maybe overlook a team that's coming into their building, and that's the, the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns are a two touchdown favorite, thirteen point favorite in that game against the Houston Texans. Houston Texans obviously took care of business against the really bad Jacksonville Jaguars, who had a horrible offensive game plan, in my opinion, for that game against the Houston Texans, but the Texans are playing with house money. Nobody expects them to be good this year. They've got a quarterback who is not going to give up the football. He, he's Tyrod Taylor has been a, a protector of the football his entire career in the NFL. That's been his claim to fame. He is He's a guy that's not going to give the game away by turning the ball over. And Cleveland is going to try to force that issue. Imagine if Cleveland starts 0-2 this season, with the losses that they had. Obviously, they opened up against Kansas City, but they had two opportunities to get that game back in their favor, and they weren't able to drive and get those get the score that was needed to, uh, to beat Patrick Mahomes. Now they come back home against a team who is just going to play reckless. They, the, the Houston Texans, like I said, playing with house money. They're 1-0. They got their one win this year. They're not going to go 0-17. They're not going to embarrass themselves any longer. Uh, you know, they're – this is this is a potential trap game for the Cleveland Browns because, as I mentioned, all of the individuals that are in that uh, in that on that particular team right now, um, it, it could be an attitude adjustment situation for them. Two other teams that I'm looking at, and they're both playing in the same division that have uh, a, a good shot a good shot at going to zero and two this year and and damaging their possibilities for making a playoff. Now, because they're both in the same division and they're in a horrible division with two other horrible teams, uh, I don't think it's as huge of a, of a deal. But the Indianapolis Colts are playing host to the Los Angeles Rams. A lot of people feel that the Rams are one of the top three, four teams in the NFL. I'm still going to hold out on that. I know there's been a lot of love thrown at Matthew Stafford, and I do believe that Matthew Stafford is going to have a huge year for the Rams, and that defense is playing extremely well for Los Angeles. And this is an opportunity for them to get big plays in the offense, the way Sean McVay has always wanted. But they don't have a running game. They're going to struggle in that aspect. And if they get teams, they're going to put them into a box fight. It's going to be difficult for the Rams to type of, to win those type of games, especially if you're able to muck them up uh, and things like that. And Indianapolis has a good defense. But Indianapolis, you know, they're, they're kind of in a situation right now where they could go to 0-2 with two of those losses being at home, which is a huge detriment to your chances in the next 16 weeks of this season to try to put together a great 
a great resume for a, a top seed, essentially, because you want to be able to play at home in the playoffs. And then finally, another team that is in, that is in jeopardy. Actually, let's do two more teams, because there are two more teams that are in severe jeopardy, teams that were considered to be top runners uh, in, the, in, their, in their conference and in their division. The Tennessee Titans go on the road to take on the Seattle Seahawks. That is a very, very difficult game, regardless of how good you are or how bad the Seahawks are. Playing in that building is always going to be difficult. When you're playing against Pete Carroll's defense and against Russell Wilson, it makes it even that much more difficult. Tennessee Titans had lofty goals this year. They won 11 games last year. Obviously, they lose Arthur Smith, their offensive coordinator, but they brought back a, a, a dynamic duo at wide receiver who Mike Vrabel called out this week basically saying that Julio Jones does a bunch of dumb bleep and it hurts the team. <laughs> so things are starting to get a little a little testy in Nashville for the Tennessee Titans. They're in, they're in deep, deep trouble right now of falling 0-2 in this, uh, in this early part of the season. And then finally, the other team, it's going to be the Sunday night game, the Baltimore Ravens. Losing in week one to the Raiders the way that they lost. Now it's a short week. You've got to turn around. You've got to play the Chiefs. Coming off of a, uh, you know, coming off of their win against Cleveland, a, t- a tough fought win, but nonetheless a win. And yeah, you got Cat- Patrick Mahomes coming to your building. Patrick Mahomes is three and zero against Lamar Jackson all time, and it doesn't look good for Baltimore as the the injuries continue to mount for the Ravens. They could start zero and two to start this season, and adversely, if a team like Pittsburgh, if they can beat the Raiders, the Raiders coming off a short week, Pittsburgh's playing at home. If they can beat the Raiders, they're two and zero. If Cincinnati can somehow find a way to win their game at Chicago, uh, it's tongue-in-cheek, by the way. Chicago sucks. I can't believe they're, they're favored in this game. Uh, if Cincinnati can win that game, they're, they're going to be 2-0. and uh, Oh, how crazy the things have happened. What if, as I mentioned, what if Cleveland takes Houston lightly, they, they, uh, Houston jumps up, bites them in the butt, and Cleveland starts 0-2, and Baltimore starts 0-2? Who saw that coming? Raise your hand if you saw Baltimore and Cleveland 0-2, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh 2 and 0. Yet put your hand down, you're lying. <laughs> Nobody saw that. So, uh it's it, it it's what makes week 2 so interesting because we have all these overreactions after week 1. It's perfectly natural, perfectly normal. Everybody does it. It's totally fine. It's okay. Uh and then we have week 2 where it's like, mm, you get a you get a strong dose of reality. Whether your team is good or whether your team is not so good. It's going to be a strong dose of reality for a lot of teams out there. There are teams that are safe. I think the Packers are safe. I don't, I don't think that what we saw this past weekend with Aaron Rodgers throwing two picks in that game and an, an absolute listlessness from the offense, I don't think that's going to be an indicator of things to come. If they're hosting the Lions on Monday night, they're going to be fine. Okay? No, I don't think that's, I don't think that's a problem for them. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's an excellent football team. They should win that game by a couple of touchdowns based on what I saw from Atlanta last week. The Buccaneers, they're going to be fine. There's, you know, there's some other teams out there that are going to be, you know, th- things are going to be all right. I think the 49ers going to the Eagles, that's going to be an interesting game because the Eagles, I'm not exactly sure what the Eagles are. They might be the most confusing team in the NFL right now. And then there's another team that is in jeopardy of going down 0-2, your Dallas Cowboys taking on the L.A. Chargers, going all the way out to Los Angeles, limping, covered in gauze and casts. Not a whole lot of 
pass rush available to you now that Randy Gregory and Demarcus Lawrence are going to be out for this game? What are the Cowboys going to do? Well, it's going to be on the right arm of Dak Prescott. He's going to have to throw that ball 60 times to outdo Justin Herbert in that defense. He's, going to, he's just going to have to. They've apparently not, they've decided not to give the ball to Ezekiel Elliott. And, look, I know that there was a lot being said about, oh, he's in the best shape of his life, blah, blah, blah. You, you do hear that from time to time. You know when you usually hear that? When a player is starting to decline, okay, players make drastic changes. Maybe they've lost a step. So they, they hire some, you know, some new trainer, some new innovative type of training methods to get them to shed weight and put on more lean muscle mass and get them quicker and lighter on their feet and all this other thing. These are, it's often the sign of a player who's on the decline. I still thought that this was going to be a great year for Ezekiel Elliott. I still think he can have a great year, but they got to give him the football. <laughs> so we'll see what happens there. But the Cowboys also in very, very dire jeopardy of starting the season 0-2. Arizona plays Minnesota this Sunday. The Cardinals not worried about going 0-2 because they're already 1-0. And you can control the point spread on FanDuel Sportsbook because FanDuel is going to move the line one point in Arizona's favor for every 250 fans who bet them to cover. That's right, and it's all a part of FanDuel's Spread the Love promotion. The more bets, the better the spread. And there's, hey, look, there's no telling how high it'll go. And best of all, your odds are whatever the point spread is at kickoff. So you don't even have to wait to get in on the action. You can start moving that point, uh, moving that line one point at a time by betting now. Go on to the app. It's super simple to use. Go to the FanDuel Sportsbook app. They have great, uh, really cool, like, daily boosts. You can jump in on some same-game parlays, which are a lot of fun. It's super easy to use. You get paid out in less than 24 hours. There's a lot of reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And it doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or if you already have an account. Just look for that Spread the Love uh, promotion on the app to place your bet today. It's exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. And if you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, if you sign up today with the promo code DEAN, you will also receive a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Use my promo code DEAN. That is for new FanDuel Sportsbook users. 21 and over in President, Arizona. Must wager in designated crowdfunding market. Max wager is $50. Payout is at minus 110. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as a non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. When we return... We'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next, right here on ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. The Baltimore Orioles game against the New York Yankees last night had plenty of must-see moments. Orioles center fielder Cedric Mullins leaping catch at the wall to rob Gary Sanchez of a home run. Austin Hayes for the Orioles hit two home runs, the second of which gave the Orioles a lead going into the bottom of the eighth. Or, uh, sorry, in the bottom of the eighth. Uh, Nestor uh, Cortez Jr. striking out a career-high 11 batters for the Yankees. But it was what happened in the top of the ninth that is what has been hitting the, uh, the, the socials and the highlights ever since. With the Orioles clinging to a 3-2 lead after Hayes' second home run, the Yankees got a leadoff walk, a single, and a double uh, a, a double steal, pardon me, to put runners on second and third with one out. And there was anticipation of incoming rain at Camden Yards. And at that point, the Orioles' ground crew was waiting, as they should, uh, by the tarp there 
by the first baseline until umpire Tim Timmons comes out from behind the plate and calls for everyone on the grounds crew to leave the field. He tossed the entire Orioles ground crew. If you saw it last night, it was hilarious. It looked like the Keystone Cops. They were jumping over the tarping, uh, you know, the big roller tarp. About 40 guys in orange shirts go jumping over there and go sprinting down the right field line out of the ballpark. Gone. Were they ejected because they were chirping? Were they, were they you know, calling out or, or heckling or anything like that? Tim Timmons said after the game, no, I didn't eject the grounds crew. Uh, I didn't eject them. I just didn't want them all behind the tarp, especially with the infield in. Well, that was kind of boring. I was like, well, because I saw the highlights, and I was like, well, this is great. He, what, what happened? What were they saying? And the umpire is like, it wasn't the home plate. I was using a third base. Third base umpire, Tim Tim. <laughs> He's like, no, I just, I didn't want all of them sitting there behind the tarp with the infield in. And then, of course, it started raining. They all left the field. It starts raining. <laughs> Brett Gardner hits a bloop single in the shallow left. Both runners score. Yankees get the 4-3 lead. And then Aroldis Chapman came in and miraculously gets a 1-2-3 bottom of the ninth. And then which was one of the strangest games at Camden Yards this year. <laughs> I'd never seen it like that in my life. Told the entire ground crew to get the hell out of here. That was pretty funny stuff. All right. Well, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in studio for handling all the uh, button work and all the difficult stuff there and keeping us on the air. And, of course, thanks to you for joining us here today. Stay tuned for Spears and Ali from 3 to 6, and we'll see you guys again tomorrow for a football Friday at 7 on the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson, 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD4 Tucson.